0: Everybody. Hello. Hello. Hello, everybody. How are you? How are you? How are you? Ready for this session? You guys are like, this was the session that I have lived for. I have waited for this moment right here. Well, uh, here's what I'd like to do just before we jump into uh, the passage that we'll be looking at together today. I want to take a moment just to say thank you to Pastor Mark Dean for the privilege of not only speaking here this afternoon, but for just really the friendship and the relationship we've had for a number of years as I've spoken at camps here in Minnesota, youth conventions, youth leaders conferences, this event in the past, and it's always a treat. So I really do feel like I'm at my home away from home. And, uh, and it's a privilege for me. So I don't even see where Pastor Mark is. I would have thought he'd come. I mean, I would have thought, as close as we are, and everything I just said. But wherever he is, taking care of very important business, uh, I want to honor him. Would you please do that with me right now? Can you put your hands together and let's honor your superintendent, Pastor Mark Dean? Uh, I'll show you a quick picture of my family. Glad that we have big screens because I got a big family. There's my crew right there. So on the far left uh, of the picture here, that is my oldest daughter, Candace, who is here with me today. That's Candace right here. Come on, would you give it up for Candace? I start with that, and I, hey, Pastor Mark, just so glad that you're here. I was a little offended, but I'm better now. Thanks, thanks for coming in. So you can pull the picture back up if you would, please. So I'm, I had to start with Candace because, bless her heart, whenever she travels with me and people come up and assume that she's my wife, You won't talk about awkward. I mean, awkward for me, yes, but bless her heart, right? It's like, oh, she's like, I'm his daughter, thank you very much, but that, so that's a little awkward, a little weird sometimes, but she's my baby girl, and, and then we have Kelly Grace next to her, and then coming down front, that's Angel and, and Jordan, and up top right, uh, we have Bria and Allison, that's my wife, Casey, right there next to me. She really is my best friend, and I'm so thankful to the Lord for her, so as you can see, we got, we got a lot of kids, and all of them are boys, except for the five girls, you See that right there. And and uh people give me a hard time. They're like, bro, what in the world are you gonna do when, when it comes time for weddings? Like, how are you going to afford that? As if I have not thought about that, right? As if I'm going, oh yeah. So I, I'm like, see, here's what's crazy, and this really is cool, and this is gonna bless some of you, is that I prayed for one, which is always a great place to start. And i like, Lord, you know, you know, and, and I'm a pre, you know, Lord's gonna cost, you know, Lord, and here's them, this is so cool. He says, Give me peace in my heart that check this out, the rapture's gonna happen before my kids get married. <laughs> Come on, let's praise him. Isn't that awesome? The ra- we don't know the day, we don't know the hour, all we know for certain is that it's before my kids are going to get married. So bless the name of the Lord. That's a win. Right there. Uh, since, since I was here last time, something really crazy, this is a crazy story uh, that I, I have to share with you. So, just since I was here last, uh, I was notified that, that a distant uncle, I think it was like my second, technically, a second uncle, had, had passed away. That was the sad part. Um, but what was really, really crazy is that. Uh, as a part of the family, we had received a portion of an inheritance, and we were just shocked at the amount, just blown away. We're like, oh my word, I've been given emissions, didn't expect this to happen, but God is so good. And they said, all we had to do was send our uh, bank information. So I did. No, I didn't. Okay. Anybody else got something like that in the mail or email? Anybody else ever got that email before? You had this rich relative that passed away. Oh, yeah. Come on, wave at me if you've ever gotten that one before. You know what I'm talking about. I hope that you did not reply. You've heard that saying before that when something seems like it's too good to be true, it it probably is, right? Which is what's really crazy about what you and I are called to do as preachers of the gospel. Because we're like, we're telling people stuff that they're like, right. We're like, no, 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 for real. Like, all you have to do is give up your entire life. And here's what's crazy. It's like you get it back, multiply times over, and you will never, ever die. That's all. We're so used to church, aren't we? To where it seems normal to us. But think about what we're saying. And and I tell you what makes it even harder for me as a pastor at times. Um, I don't know how you handle it, but what do you do when you're preaching something that seems too good to be true? What do you do? Or let me ask it a different way. What do you do When you're preaching something on a Sunday or on a Wednesday or teaching it in a small group setting, and what you're preaching on Sunday is different from what you're seeing on Monday, what you're declaring with your words is different from what you're seeing with your eyes, have you ever preached on healing before while going through some physical challenge or situation just going, what in the world? I mean, I believe that the word of God is clear, that God heals. Can I get a good amen on that? that our God is a healer. I know that he still heals today which is why I'm confused when I suffer physically. And I've got this back thing going on, just like this back pain that, that I deal with. But I've prayed for people to be healed. And, and it's really crazy because, you know, you're like praying for them. And as you're praying for them, they're like, I feel God. I feel, I feel Jesus. The pain is gone. You're like, really? <laughs> Come on, don't act like you're like, yes, amen, absolutely. No, you were like, Lord, did you run out between here and here, Lord? Where was the breakdown? Are you begging them? What did I say exactly when you felt the presence of the Lord? Do you remember the scripture reference I used? You know, it's just like, what do you do when what you're preaching or proclaiming is different from what you're personally seemingly experiencing? Did I go too real too fast or are you tracking with me? So I, I want to take you to a passage of scripture in uh, John chapter 11, John chapter 11, and if you're taking notes, and I think that's pretty cool, if you are, it makes me think that you're, you're actually listening and getting something out of this, which would be really, really awesome, John chapter 11. If you want a title, uh, I would call this Too Good to Not Believe, Too Good to To not believe. I just made that up right there. Doesn't that have a catch to it? Too good to not believe. That should be a song, somebody. Too good to not believe. Maybe the worship team can work something up between now and the response time. Too good to not believe. You ever been praying for people in your church, telling them God hears, God answers, but at home you're you're praying and not seeing the answer you're praying for other people's families you're praying for their marriages and then you come home to a fight you're you're telling them you're you're, you're just you're just you're you're passionately convincing someone it's worth it to not give up on the marriage but then you go home and you wonder You're telling someone to not give up on their son or daughter who's away from Christ. But then you look at your situation and think, God, will you ever touch their heart? Will they ever respond to you? You preach on the promises of God being true and reliable. But God spoke something to you. At least you thought he did and you haven't seen the answer. So the question is, then what? Well, let's look at John chapter 11. And I'm just praying and I'm believing. And so if you don't have faith for this moment, you can borrow some of mine. Okay, here it is. I want you to know I believe that right now God can speak something to you that would mark your life. I, I mean, for real, I'm believing that God can do something over the next few minutes. That there can be a shift in your faith, even in your circumstances. That God can shift. Now, the person next to you, they already love Jesus. Come on, look at them. Don't they just look holy? Just look at them. I want you to go ahead and tell somebody. Just tell them to say, hey, you're cool. Tell them this, but you can be cooler. (laughs) Tell your other neighbor right now, just say, you love God, but you can love him more. Can we pray right now and ask for more? Lord, I ask in Jesus' name that you would do more in our hearts right now. Lord, I'm praying that there be a supernatural faith right now, that there be expectation. I know that you move in response to the faith and the prayers of your people. You said that you reward those who diligently seek you. So right now, Lord, we posture ourselves to encounter you. I pray that you give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you want to show us and speak to us. I pray that, I believe that, I receive that in the strong name of Jesus, and everybody said a strong amen. John chapter 11, verse 1, if you're ready, say, "Uh Uh uh-huh, and if you mean it, say, oh yeah. Yeah. It says, now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Don't you love the wording of that? Don't you love the fact that they don't refer to Jesus and appeal to Jesus off of what Lazarus deserves, but they appeal to Jesus off of him being the one that Jesus loves? Just pausing just long enough to say, if you're bumping into some things right now in life that are difficult or confusing or hard, they don't seem to match up with your theology or they don't seem to be in alignment with what you're preaching and and your belief system and you know the word of God is true, but you cannot ignore what's right in front of you. Sometimes enemy can tempt you to think that you're the exception to the rule. The reason God has not given you your breakthrough is because he does not love you as much as he loves somebody else or because you're undeserving or unworthy. He may heal somebody else, but you, your situation is just a little bit different. Aren't you thankful today that God did not base his love for us or even our salvation off of what we deserve, but it's based on his love for us. Come on. Can you thank him for that today? It's always based on him. Verse four. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Pause. I know that we're so guilty of reading through Scripture, and we can go so fast, especially when you're familiar with the story. But since you're familiar with the story, how many of you had acknowledged that this is a little bit strange when they say, Lord, the one that you love is sick, and he says, don't worry, he's not going to die, but we know the story. What happens in just a few minutes? He dies. Which is strange at times. Now we know the rest of the rest of the story, but sometimes until we get to the part after the part where it's confused and we're going, but he said, but I see. and I'm just confused. I'm trying to make sense of this. He says, don't worry about it. But if you look closely and that's, what we tend to fail to do when we lean in to Jesus, we realize, oh, he didn't say he wasn't going to die. He said this sickness will not, what, end in death. And so whatever it is that you're going through, God's not calling you to ignore your reality. He's just trying to lift your eyes to a greater reality. He's not saying that you're not going through what you're going through. You're going through it. This is not hard. This is not difficult. This is not. No, my God is my God is this is not hard. I am not scared. I am full of faith. You're scared. He knows you're scared. He knows you're confused. He knows when you're angry. And today, if you're struggling with something at that deep of a level, you need to know that God's not ticked off, mad or angry at you because you're experiencing the emotions that He prewired you with. He's just inviting you to a greater reality, and that is whatever it is that you're going through, it doesn't stop there. You can make it through it. It's not going to end in death. Verse 5. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, Come on, you know if you and I were writing the Bible, this next part is totally different. You know that it is. And I'm really glad. Like, for real, it's a good thing that you're not God. I just want to praise God that it's not you. Can I just do that for a moment? Because some of y'all, y'all get ticked off you just start sending people to hell. That's what some of y'all would do. I mean, you just like, and you're going, and you're going. That's how some. But if I'm writing this, it says, because. He loved Mary because he loved Martha, because he loved Lazarus. So when Jesus heard about this, I'm writing the Bible, he turns and he goes straight to him. That's probably what I would have said. Or if that's not the way it's going to be, it's like Jesus turned and said, be healed. Or Jesus turned and said, go look. He is healed. Jesus, the one that you love, is not anymore. I mean, I'm just thinking of all of the different things that I would say right there. But I never would have come up with what he actually does. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Confusing. I don't get it. And some of you are waiting because you're... We're so programmed in this world, it's so fast, it's so instantaneous, it's so microwaved, it's so, it's, it's so just like, punch it in, there it is. Lord, Lord prayer, where is it? Lord, Lord you didn't, Lord, Lord you waiting, you're waiting, why not, Lord, I thought. And then, verse seven, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. Can I suggest to you that Jesus is not dragging his feet, it's just that his clock works differently than ours. Isn't that true? That he's outside of time, he's beyond time, and so God is never limited by our clocks. He just measures time differently, which I should understand better now, having been married now for over 20 years, because when I first got married, I had like this, this learning curve when it comes to even just this very subject. Like whenever I would say, Hey, babe we're going to be late, it's time to go. (laughs) And she said, I need a minute. So I was like, cool, because it'll take me about 60 seconds anyway to get out to the car (laughs) and crank it. I'll meet you there. But what she really meant was, okay, babe, you got time to go mow the yard, come in and take a shower, and get dressed, and then I might be close to being ready. <laughs> but I've now learned that, and so we—we—it's we, a little smoother transition. Let's just say it that way. Now, when we go from that conversation, but some of us find that challenging with God. God, don't you see this clock? God, you said you were going to help me. You, You said you were going to come through. You said you'd never leave me nor forsake me. You said that you'd provide all of my needs. Don't you see this clock? As if God is going, oh my word, you know what, slipped me, didn't even realize it. I lost track of time or forgot about your situation or, oh, thought I had a little more wiggle room. As if there's anything at any point that ever catches him off guard. Listen, friends, it does not. Can I assure you right now that whatever you're going through, he is in complete and total control. Can you say amen to that? Verse 11. Skipping down this story just for the sake of time, let's look at verse eleven. After he said this he went on to tell them, he's talking to his disciples, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Don't don't you don't you I do, don't you get encouraged when you read the response of the disciples at times to some of the stuff that Jesus said? Because, like, Peter's like, Lord, let's just build some, let's just build some, let's just build some tabernacles right here. Let's just build some shelters right here. And Jesus rebukes him. I'm like, Jesus, I thought that was a good idea. Like, I, I probably would have said that. Or she's like, I'm going to die. And Peter's like, no, I'm not going to, this should not happen. And then Jesus says, you're the devil. I'm, I would have been like, he'd have been calling me the devil all the time because of just my inability to understand or track. He never calls us to understand Him or figure Him out, but He always calls us to trust Him. Have you gotten tripped up, beaten down and tied up with something, and right now it's heavier than it should be, and and what's caused... This burden and this weight is your inability to figure out the ways of the Lord. I know it's easier said than done, but I don't believe that is a complicated expectation. He's never called us to figure Him out. He simply says to trust. These guys didn't even get it. when he said he's asleep, they're like, oh, cool. He's just sleeping. Well, he's going to get better. I'm sleepy all the time. I take a nap, and it feels better. And he's like, Jesus is not speaking of sleeping. He's speaking of his death. And so in verse 14, and so he told them plainly, let me say this for you guys. Lazarus is dead. They're like, oh, that kind of sleep. Oh. And then he says, and for your sake and for your sake and for your sake hey guys we're we're going to go back to Lazarus he he's he's dead but I'm glad I wasn't there to keep that from happening for your sake whatever God is doing in you right now. It's not for Him that He's going. This will really help me. This is a, listen. You're meeting a need of mine. You're solving a problem that I had. As you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, as you walk through the fiery furnace, as you find yourself surrounded by lions, if you find yourself staring down a giant, whatever it is that you stormwise are experiencing, you need to know that God is saying this is for your sake, that I've chosen to save you through it rather than from it which is easier to understand when you're a parent and you're seeing your children struggle with something and your instinct is to go in and rescue, but your love overrides that and says, for their sake, I'm going to make the tough call. He says to the disciples, listen, I've got a plan here so that you may believe. Let's go to him. Verse 21. They get there. Martha comes all fired up. Lord, if you had been here, if, Lord, if you had only, Lord, if you had come when we asked, Jesus, if you had just done what we were petitioning, if you had just heard us and answered, if you had been here, then my brother would not have died. If you had just done what I asked you to do, this would have been so much better. Don't you know we pray like that at times? Which is so convicting to me. Jesus said, I will build my... Well, y'all are are proud of that, aren't you? Church. The church. Jesus said, I will build my... He said, I'm going to build it. And then we all started freaking out, thinking, oh, he was, until COVID came. <laughs> I'm not talking about a true-false test. We'd get it right there. I'm talking about the reality of the way we would sweat, the anxiety. Oh, Jesus. Oh, God. Oh. oh, Holy Spirit. Oh, everybody. Oh, oh, Lord, people are just there. Oh, it's divided. It's, it's a- I'm not denying the reality. I'm just saying... He never calls us to deny the reality. We're in a broken world. He just wants us to lift our eyes to a greater reality. I will build my church. Like, we got to start from the end and work backwards. You ever seen ESPN Classics? Raise your hand if you even know what I'm talking about, ESPN Classics. Raise your hand if you ever heard of ESPN. All right. So the ESPN Classics is when they show old games, sporting events from the past, so they might show one for the Chicago Bulls from way back in the day or Minnesota Vikings back when, how long ago was it? <laughs> I don't even know where to go. Like, that was not a slam. That was an honest question. Like, I don't even know what the glory days were. Y'all hang in there, though. <laughs> Salvation is coming soon. I believe it. But whenever that was, back in the day, you're watching a Vikings game, and you know that they win. Now some people when they're watching the game, they're freaking out, throwing popcorn, there's a fumble, oh no, interception, oh my goodness, oh, this is terrible. Three seconds left on the clock. they're probably going to lose. But if you already saw the game, and it's a classic, and you're watching it in rewind, then you know there's a fumble, no biggie. There's an interception, not a problem. How are you not freaking out? I Games already know the Vikings win. But in a church world, we act like we know revelation, but we're freaking out. Ray over here going, but COVID, (laughs) political craziness, racial unrest, all of this stuff. And he's going, guys, it's over. I've already won it. You don't just preach from victory. You live from victory. You live this. Now you lead this. I will build my church. But that's hard to understand when you're just going, if you'd have just been here, and he's like, ah, there's more to the story. Verse 25, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, the one who believes in me, in me the one who what believes in me will live even though they die Come on, church, you got to get this in your heart and in your mind. This is the Word of God. It's still inspired. It's still infallible. It's still holy. It's still alive. It's still active. It's still at work. Get it. Meditate on it. Think about that. He says, the one who believes in me will live. Even though you die, you're still alive. Even when you're still full of peace. You're still full of joy. Even when. It's not a denial of what you're going through. It's just a perspective shift. Of what you know to be truer than what you see. Oh, I see that, but even though I die, I will live. And he says, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And then look at this next part in these few verses here, or a few words in verse 26. He says, do you believe this? I am the resurrection and the life. I am the one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you really believe this? It could come across as if Jesus was uninterested or uncaring or perhaps unable, but the reality is He was deeply at work. And when our faith seems to be at odds with our reality, we get to choose where our hearts will go. We get to choose where our feet will be planted. We get to choose how we will approach living and leading through whatever it is we're going through. Verse 33 now Mary shows up, and when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, it says, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled, and verse 35 says, Jesus wept. Two simple little words, and... Uh, We know because of our understanding of Scripture and our understanding of God and even the fullness of this story, we understand that he's not weeping for Lazarus because he knows what he's about to do, right? So he's not weeping over Lazarus. He's showing his heart for his children. He's showing you his heart for you and for you. And for you and for me and for you in these two words he's saying I care about what you care about and maybe this is even just a holy moment to where this was the part the portion that God brought you to this event for was for maybe just that one who just needed to know that he's not aloof He's not distant. He's not unaware of how hurt you feel or how heavy you're carrying something or how close you are to losing hope. He wants you to know he cares. and He loves you. When you hurt, he hurts. And you look at that and you think, but then I don't understand why. I get it. He's never called us to understand fully or to figure him out. He just says, trust me. God just has a different vantage point. He can see the whole picture. He knows of your pressure at the church or in the ministry or with a relational conflict. He knows of it. And he wants to help you, but more than anything, he wants you just to lean into him. His perspective is different than our perspective. How many know there are different perspectives even going on in this story? He's weeping, she's weeping, but for totally different reasons. Because look at what happens next in verse 43 Jesus called out in a loud voice Lazarus, come out! It says, the dead man came out, his hands and his feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. There's another perspective. We don't often think about Lazarus' perspective. She's crying because she wanted him to stay. Jesus is crying because she's crying. Lazarus, Here's his name, Lazarus. He's like, I ain't going back. I just wonder if Moses like, hey, man, I know you hear him. Can you imagine what Lazarus was feeling? They're all like, oh, no, we're losing him. Stay with us, Lazarus. Lazarus, no. He's like, oh, closes his eyes, wakes up. He's like, party time. I mean, he is there. And then all of a sudden, he's like, come on back, Lazarus. Mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. Different perspectives. I just want to suggest to you that whatever you're walking through, they're probably different perspectives. Go with God's. Go with God's. It says, as a result of this, the next verse, that many came to faith. The only reason you're still here right now is to reach one more person while there's still time. Anybody as excited as me about going to heaven? Come on, anybody looking forward to it? Come on, no more sickness, no more pain, no more heartache, no more disease, no more COVID, no more COVID, no more COVID. I mean, come on, I can't wait to get to heaven. No more taxes. Something should make you shout right now. I mean, I can't wait to get to heaven. I'm so ready to get to heaven. I'm going to be there. Love for you to come with me. I'm going to be there forever, but until I get there, I'm still here. And the reason I'm still here is to bring one more person. The reason you woke up today is to not go to another conference is to reach one more person while there's still time but what if there are people who will only come to Christ not through what I preach but how I walk through pain and how I live through trials and how I model my love for God when I say when I don't understand and I can't figure him out I'll trust him. And somebody says, Why would you be willing to do that with all that you're going on, going through? And you would say, He's just too good to not believe. I've seen him do too much, I've seen him help me too many times. He's too good to not believe. What do you do when you run into stuff that you don't understand about God? You cling all the more tightly to the things that you do know about him. He who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. Worship team, you can come and get in place because it makes this part sound so much more spiritual when you start playing. (laughs) How do you stand in the midst of the storm? Because you sincerely believe, if God is for me, who can be against me? Do you just preach it or do you believe it? Do you really believe this? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Do you really believe that? Or do we believe I can do almost anything except for that? (laughs) I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You gotta lean into him. You gotta cling to him. You gotta, and you know what you gotta do? Declare it with your words. Declare it with your words. I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. Lord, you said in your word, you will never leave me and you'll never forsake me. Right now, I don't sense you. Right now, I can't see you. Right now, I can't hear you. But I choose to put my eyes on the greater reality. And that is that you will never leave me. You said you would never forsake me. I thank you that you are right here with me in the midst of the fire. I don't know if Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire, if Jesus was like, psst, it's cold. Come on in, I got you. I don't know if, that, if that's made them say, oh, come on, there's Jesus. Or if they just went in, and Jesus was like, what's up? But we too know that from the outside looking in, everybody else was able to go, How many did you throw in there? And the fourth looks like the Son of Man. There may be moments as you're entering in, you don't see Him. You don't hear Him. You don't feel Him. But because you continue to walk, there are people watching you going, and it just looks like they ain't by themselves. It just looks like they're not doing it all alone. Is it just me? Or is there something upholding them right now in this moment? And they ask you to explain it. And you say, all I know is he's too good to not believe. Would you stand to your feet all over this room? Ryan and the team are going to lead us in this song. I just want to pray over you as they prepare to sing it. But would you right now, just by a show of hands, if you say, Scotty, I just need God's presence, I need God's love, I needed this reminder today that God is with me and he's walking with me through this situation, would you just lift your hand up, come on, all over the room. Lord, I pray for every single hand raised that you'd be closer than we could even imagine. Would you just say his name right now? Come on, would you just say Jesus? Lord, I thank you that you're as close as the mention of your name. Come on, everybody, say Jesus. Come on, say it affectionately and dearly. Say, Lord, I love you, my Jesus. Lord, we love you. We know that you are with us. And God, we declare right now that, Lord, you don't have to do another miracle for us to believe in you. You don't have to perform some other supernatural act before we say you're too good to not believe. You've been with us in the past. You've watched over us time and again. And today we declare you are too good to not believe. We love you. We praise you. And we thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Come on, let's praise the Lord together.